standing up in McKinney. This is According to Callus. It is episode 378 coming to you on St. Patrick's Day. That is the 17th of March for your heathens out there. <laughs> All right. Uh, before I get into the content today, let me just say uh, we're well over 100K. And thank you very much to my two listeners out there for making that happen. Yes. Um, but we still need to keep getting the message out. Help me grow the show and get the message to the masses. The way you can do that is like, share, and subscribe to the show. If you're feeling particularly happy, go on and comment and rate the show. Every little bit helps. I'm on all the podcatchers that uh, you know I know to be on, and I'm looking at adding two different things, which will change things up just a wee bit. And uh, I'm glad I decided to wait to pull the trigger for about another month because there are some additional uh, changes, I think, that might make sense. So, you know, this is a passion project for me. Uh, It's not like I'm here trying to sell you something other than ideas and giving you an opportunity to think about things maybe a little bit different way than what you otherwise might have thought about it. At some point... At some point, I'll make some money and I may be able to uh, steer myself into selling things. But here's the thing that you need to know. One of the reasons why I never went into sales is although I have a pension for it, right? I consider myself a pretty good salesman. The idea of sales is a transfer of belief, right? And you have to believe in the product or the idea that you're selling And one of my biggest holdups in that is I have a really hard time believing in things that aren't worthy of my belief, and I'm darn sure not going to go sell somebody something that I don't believe in. So if and when I'm ever able to uh, get an opportunity for a sponsor, uh, then you'll know that I must believe in it. But until then, we carry on. So, on with the St. Paddy's Day episode, if you will. For those of you that don't know, typically the idea of saints or sainthood uh, is dismissed by the Protestant church. Our uh, Catholic and Orthodox and Oriental and Coptic church brethren all have saints, and I think the Protestant view on it is such that uh, we, one, have difficulty imagining miracles happening apart from Christ, and two, we just have a real difficulty with ascribing something special to somebody else that is outside of the Trinity and holding them in a regard. That's just my interpretation of events. If you want to quibble on that, go for it. I'm not going to argue with you. The challenge that I've always had is I don't understand the... I don't understand either side. Let's put it that way. I don't necessarily uh, think the elevation is necessary or important. I I don't find anything wrong with honoring those that came before us. Um, I... Much like with the whole statue issue, 
Uh, there are great men and great women from the past that are worthy of remembering and different people choose to remember them differently. So again, if that's what the purpose of sainthood is, and in my Protestant point of view, perhaps that's how I choose to look at it. That doesn't diminish who they were or what they did. It just, I have, like I said, it's, it's just a, it's a, something I'm not comfortable with. But on the flip side, there are lots of Protestants that are iconoclasts. They want to destroy everything and anything apart from that. They, I guess they think it takes away. And my question is, is when you're dealing with the creator God of the universe and the triune entity that we can't even describe, not quite sure how giving sainthood or revering uh, a mere mortal gets in the way of that. But I can see where it might be a distraction or could become a problem. So that being said, and that's, of course, obviously I know there's more going on there than what I just laid out. And obviously I don't know that much about it because quite frankly, it's not something that I dwell on or I think is worth my time to delve in all the details. Of course, now that I've said that publicly, I'll probably spend several hours this weekend reading a number of articles on what's all I play here <laughs> just because I want to know um, but it, up until this point in my life it's just not been something I've concerned myself with but one of the things that I found interesting is the idea of sainthood and there being a patron saint so for those of you uh, who maybe know more about this than me please give me a little grace and for those of you that know less about this than me, um, I say this both as an exploratory, you know, turn of phrase and uh, an acknowledgement of my own lack of direct knowledge. So my understanding, right? St. Patrick is the patron state of Ireland, patron saint of Ireland, <laughs> not state saint. And, uh, the idea or some of the um, mythology behind him is he drove all the snakes into the sea. Okay, well, if we look at that as a metaphor, that might be quite accurate, right? He Christianized the island of Ireland. And if I'm not mistaken, he was also martyred for that very same uh, process. But think about it. Do we have men or women of the same caliber right here and right now, particularly in the United States? We're basically very, very comfortable. We don't want to have to do anything beyond what we should have to do. I, I'm i of the mind that we can't even win a war in a third world country. How in the world would we go back and do what we did in World War II. I, I don't think it's possible at this point, but that doesn't mean that that can't change and it can't improve. So if you look back to the Celtic peoples that largely inhabited the island of Ireland, they had no real formal education process. They had no understanding of Christianity and while the Romans might have successfully subdued a portion of the island of Britain, right, of 
where England currently resides, there are still remnants of those Celtic people all over the island, whether they be the people in Cornwall, the people in Wales, the people in Scotland, or Ireland. And then, of course, there's the Isle of Man and then Brittany, right? The six Celtic states. I think I got them all. And so I wonder, uh, it's a historical anomaly that we don't talk about the fact that Julius Caesar and the Romans in general made it their practice to get rid of all the Celtic peoples to, for lack of a better phrase, genocide them. And when the Roman Empire was in full sway and they basically gave up on the island of Britain as things went on. And look, I'm a history major. I know the story, but man, there's so much to know and so much going on in history all over the world. If you think I keep all that readily available at the tips of my fingers, well, you must think very highly of me. (laughs) The point being is they never quite got to Ireland. Now, that's not to say that there probably wasn't adventurers, traders, and maybe a scout that went out that way, but they never made any attempt to go take the island. The island was brought about to Christianity by really the work of one guy, which is why they sainted him. But now, fast forward, you know, 2020, what was it, 2021, the the country of Ireland um, reverted back to its pagan roots. I mean, they've gone to the point where they're giving up their children to Moloch now. How did this happen? I mean, why did this happen? And that's kind of what I want to explore with the remaining uh, 15 or 20 minutes here, right? So the idea of going out and Christianizing a country or a nation or a continent was something that motivated our forefathers. And and I'm not talking about specifically the political forefathers, though that was certainly a piece of their motivation. But our church forefathers, I mean, we can dismiss, you know, various factions of the church as not being true to our view of it, but by and large, they went out because they thought they were working for a higher purpose. Undoubtedly, in that mix, there was personal ambition, there was greed, there were other desires, but in the end, God got what he wanted out of it, which is his word being put forth to the rest of the world. I don't think we've finished that mission, right? But one of the curious things about this, when we, when we Christianized Ireland, right, and the vast quantity of Irish people that fled the island as a result of British tyranny and abuse and the potato famine, they came predominantly to these United States. And they brought with them their culture, their identity, but the vast majority of the people that came here chose to become essentially Irish in name only after a couple of generations because historically the United States was pretty good at bringing people in and getting them to join with the Moors, the culture, the society. I had a conversation with a young man last night 
who, as a college student, has spent quite a bit of time studying these things, and quite impressive the amount of stuff that he was able to bring into the conversation. Um, and I'm not a slouch, mind you, but you, like I said, there's a lot to know, and to know everything is a major challenge. One of the things that I found interesting is he had compared the United States not to Rome, where all the empire was created pretty much through hard power, but more like Carthage and the idea of using south or I'm sorry, soft power, trade, expansion of culture, and just I guess bribery. <laughs> and I think that was a very good example, a one I hadn't considered, quite frankly. Uh, and honestly, I don't know that I've ever heard that comparison before. I mean, it's probably because Rome wins in the end, right? They they eventually subjugate Carthage and wipe it off the face of the earth. But maybe that's a better analogy. Don't know. My only concern is, uh, do we go the way of Carthage then? I mean, Rome, when it fell, split into two entities, but one entity carried on for another thousand years, though not in its previous form, and eventually succumbed to the waves upon waves of uh, attack from both the West and the East. So I wonder if we get to look forward to a similar fate. So the question is, right here, right now, knowing what we know and seeing the things unfold that are unfolding, what do we do about it? I would suggest over the course or the body of this podcast that I've touched on these issues many, many times, albeit probably not in a format that was a step-by-step process or not uh, a cohesive plan, if you will. And I would say this, I don't necessarily have a cohesive plan and I'm a firm believer of plans are good, but plans change the moment you face enemy contact or Uh, You can look at it as the way Eisenhower did, right? You can plan all you want, but the moment that you meet the enemy, the plans change. Or you can uh, quote to Mr. Mike Tyson, who, and I'm going to paraphrase, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. I mean, so plans are good. They're necessary. And it's uh, good to have um, alternative plans or a plan where you anticipate the moves of your enemy, right? That's what chess is all about. So they tell me. And I and I will tell you, as far as a complete uh, amateur chess player, I consider myself pretty good. But if I were to play somebody that actually likes chess and plays chess, I have no doubt that they would uh, wipe the floor with me at this point in my life. I can count the number of games of chess I've played in the last 20 years, probably on one hand. My my problem is I don't generally have the patience to do the same thing over and over again. And it kind of, when I look at chess and I look at a lot of things like that, it's very, very repetitive in my mind. I know it's not. I know there's lots of variations. I know there's a definite skill involved there. It's just not something that I want to invest into. Maybe that's a shortcoming on my part. Maybe that's just not my um, skill, right? 
I've been accused of having, uh, you know, ADHD or some other thing. I, I think the characterizations are uh, born out of the idea that uh, men that don't want to do the same thing over and over again must have something wrong with them. Whatever. Probably should get back to the original topic. <laughs> so <clears throat> we Christianize the world. Not not completed. And then we abandoned our legacy. And how did we do that? And, I, and I'm speaking, I guess, meta, uh, at the meta level with the Church of the United States. Realizing fully that there are many churches in the United States and almost all of them are not on the same page and not working towards the same exact goal. So they went to go build. They created their their turf, their uh, sphere of influence, their uh, area of interests or influence. I... Oh, for the life of me, I can't think of the word I want to use here. But basically, they made their impact where they were, and they expelled their efforts at that time and at that place. And the idea was is they would build upon that, right? A great many hospitals were started. In fact, almost all of them for a period of time by different Christian sects, whether it was the Lutherans or the Catholics or even in the Catholics, whether it was the Franciscans or whatever. I mean, it just, it breaks down to various groups of Christians that went in and founded hospitals. But we've given those up. We don't control those anymore. The The money people came in, for lack of a better phrase. Now, it's difficult not to be bitter about watching this happen, but I didn't start it. I didn't build it. I didn't control it. And it's really beyond my influence, right? So why should I be upset about it? But the idea is there is still the Christian remnant. There are those, we, the believers that are still out there. And we care deeply about what happens in our country. We care deeply about what happens in the world. And we also realize that the world is not our own. It was given over to the the fallen one, right? I mean, this is kind of his dominion. Now, uh, some of my uh, brethren would say that, you know, when Christ came down, he overthrew that. That's okay. I understand that idea. But until such time that he returns and, you know, puts him in the lake of fire, he's still here and his people are still here. I mean, I'm using a very generic term because I don't want to go into the depths of the theology behind it, but evil's still present and the embodiment of evil is pushing his agenda all the time. And we have to fight back about that or we have to occupy things. We have to put things in place basically to protect the people. We, the people. So we need to rebuild these things, right? So I've talked about the idea of uh, establishing a parallel economy, establishing our own remnant culture. Think about it this way. We almost need to go back and re-Christianize Europe at this point. 
And to a lesser, well, maybe a greater extent, we need to do the same thing in these United States. How do you do that? Well, we're certainly not going to do it with the woke theology of the current zeitgeist. There is nothing inspiring there. What I would suggest is perhaps we return to our roots. I heard the phrase, it was on Tom Woods' show, and I honestly, I don't remember who the guest was. And basically, he uh, said the the church or Christian Christianity saved or built Europe and the Reformation saved Europe. And, I, and I'm paraphrasing because I don't remember the exact uh, turn of phrase. And I thought it was very interesting. Because when the Roman Empire kind of failed, collapsed upon itself, the influence of the Christians present protected and rebuilt what was left. And Europe reestablished itself and eventually pushed back out under the guise of Christianity. Now, unfortunately, the Catholic leadership decided to fight with the Orthodox leadership and in many parts of the Balkans that didn't turn out real well, but Christianity in one form or another had taken root and grown throughout Europe. And it went that way for hundreds of years unabated. Indeed, they spread over the rest of the world. That would be their legacy, right? The legacy of the Catholic Church expansion and the Protestant Reformation Church expansion was Christianity went over the entire world. And you can you can hate that if you want, but I think it was a good thing. I think ultimately everybody benefited. The last places on earth that didn't have any kind of Christianity were really not pleasant places to be. That's not to say that everything was all peaches and cream and those quote-unquote Christian states that existed, but they were markedly better than the pagan ones that were in other places of the world. And I know I can hear it right now. Well, what about this? What about that? Yeah, okay. Maybe, just maybe, there was another state, another country, another leader that was really good for a time. I'll give you that. But the legacy of the expansion of Western culture, of Christianity, which basically created Western culture, is what we're living in right now. We're, we're observing the ruins of that because it was not cultivated. It was not built upon. It was not protected. We allowed it to deteriorate by our lack of interest and our lack of efforts. And when I say our, I just mean the current civilization, whether it be European or even in the States here, they coast it. And by that, I mean those people that actually were still on board with the idea. Then there were the saboteurs, those that sought to undermine, those that were actively opposed to it, whether they were collectivists of any stripe or another, it doesn't really matter. But they successfully whittled away. They they uh, they used the strategy derived from warfare, right, to just bleed them out. To to 
hollow them out from the inside. I suspect, but for a handful of seminaries in this country, they're no better than the secular college down the street. I suspect other than maybe a Maybe I could come up with a dozen examples and I'd have to cheat and look at somebody else's crib notes. There might be good Christian colleges left in the United States. That's not to say there can't be good colleges that are separate and completely quote unquote pagan, right? But what are they teaching? What what are they bringing about as their fruit? That's the question. And if you completely undermine the foundation the edifice falls. The The building cannot stand. The country cannot continue. And I wonder, going back to St. Patrick, when he began to do his work and he was working on converting Ireland, did he spend all of his time making sure that his converts were 100% on every issue. Did he did he worry about every little detail to every convert or did he focus about the major things and bring about certain leaders within the various clans and um building his school or his uh, what do you want to call it? cadre, right? The, the key people putting building up, putting them in place and training them up so that perhaps the next generation gets better. The next generation cares a little more about specifics. Did he look at building upon that when he was laying that out? Now, I'm going to suggest to you that perhaps Patrick thought about all of that before he went there. Or perhaps he did that as part of his growth process. Or perhaps that's just the way things happened. I don't know how he modeled it. And I don't think anybody really can know 100% with absolute certainty. But I, what I can tell you is he built things and put things in place so that somebody could work on that legacy afterwards. Now, whether he did it intentionally, whether it was just happenstance, I don't know. I wasn't there. And quite frankly, he's not around to ask. Now, did people follow him? Did people carry on that good work? Yes, of course. But would that have happened without him first? Don't know. I doubt it, but it's possible. By now, you must be wondering, well, what's your point, Stephen? Where are you going with this? What I'm suggesting to you is, I think that a whole lot of us, myself included at times, make the good the enemy of the perfect. We have the idea that everything must be perfect or it can't be better. What I would suggest to you is if you look at things as you've accomplished this issue or this point in somebody's life, whether it's a conversion or whether it's just a another accomplishment, that's good. And you should look to build upon that. But you shouldn't dismiss it because it's not perfect or it didn't happen exactly the way you wanted it to happen. So I wonder, 
the idea of inevitability, right? Once something happens, it was deemed as always being inevitable. I, I listened to somebody talk about that, and I, it's a very valid question, right? It'll never happen, it'll never happen until it does happen, then, well, it was inevitable. I've oftentimes referenced the idea that, you know, either on purposely or accidentally or whatever way you want to look at it, I'm named after the first martyr. And I've often commented that I don't plan on going out the way he went out. But one of the reasons why Stephen was martyred is he spoke the truth and he stood up to the mob and he didn't back down. That's quite the legacy. And he was just a man. Now, we Protestants, we didn't saint him, right? I, I'm sure the, I'm sure there's a Saint Stephen, but he's one of those also-rans, right? <laughs> the idea being, though, is if we're not willing to stand on what we believe, if we're not willing to push back against the mob, if we're not willing to do the right thing, even when it has a personal consequence, are we really following the example set? Are we continuing in the legacy? Or do we spend all of our time worrying about, is this specific thing accurate? Is this right? Is this, is this theological point more important than the overall idea? Now, I deal with that in the political realm every day. And honestly, I've gone back and forth on it. You know, there's value to being orthodox in your beliefs. And if you become too far off the path, you stray into something that is no longer orthodoxy. It's anathema, right? And in politics, it's much the same way. But if somebody's there with you on the vast majority of things, aren't they more your ally than your enemy? And and I've always wondered, well, what was really at play? Why was why was the Catholic Pope on the way to go take back the Middle East, if you will, so concerned about the Eastern Roman Empire that they felt like they needed to punish them? It really never made sense to me other than just a basic power struggle. But again, we're talking about a degree of separation, but they're otherwise on the same page. And I wonder if it's just the frailty of man, right? The the desire for something to be perfect rather than just good. Seems to me that's rather counterproductive. Seems to me that St. Patrick wouldn't be a saint today and wouldn't be known today if he was concerned with everything being perfect rather than just good. Now, maybe I've got this way all wrong. And and I got to be honest, like I told you at the beginning, this is largely speculation. It's it's a series of questions that when you look at something like this, you you just kind of wonder, well, what's what's going on there and why? I mean, obviously, when somebody's 180 degrees out of sync of what you're uh, trying to teach them, but then they get to within 10 degrees of being on the same wavelength. Isn't that good? Isn't that what you want? Aren't you 
content that you've made a huge difference and perhaps they will continue the rest on their own, particularly if somebody sticks around to train and work with them. Isn't that good? Isn't that what we wanted? You can't build a legacy. You can't accomplish great things if you're constantly beating people up for small differences. That's my thought on the matter. So, as we wrap up this Friday episode, I, wow, I went a little long. Let me just say, I would encourage your responses. I would encourage you to think about this. Consider the ramifications. If you feel so inclined, you can comment. Uh, either on the show itself, on the Podbean app, or in social media when I get around to sharing this. I'm curious. And I'm not stating anything today as an absolute fact. This is a discussion point. This is something that I was pondering, both in reflection of the fact that we celebrate this guy, St. Patrick, and the outcome of saying things fail in the past and looking like we're getting ready to repeat some of those things. How do you move forward from that? What's what's the design or the plans? Do we have plans? Do we have any ideas? Perhaps I will take some time to consider that and build out a little more in coming episodes. You know, it's the whole idea that I was talking about earlier and just one last thought, if you will. I've made plans, <laughs> but every time I turn around, I have to adapt those plans. And part of, part of being successful is being flexible, being able to adapt or the Marine, you know, right. Uh, <laughs> uh, right. I just, I want you to think about it. Consider for yourself. What do you think the right way to do something is? And with that, this has been, according to Callus, on the St. Patty's Weekend Friday. And with that, I will see you on the other side.